2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze on Moses' face because of the, its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an evil end, to, I'm sorry, to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would pull a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought into it, to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Well, Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you all. As we continue to celebrate the season of Christmas, we're reminded of what Christmas is all about. And that's what Paul teaches us in this passage in 2 Corinthians. It's all about seeing the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, just a brief introduction to 2 Corinthians, since this is the only time you'll hear from this book over the next few weeks. Uh, just remember that Paul had gone to Corinth and established the church, and then he continued his missionary journeys. And he had sent several letters to the Corinthians because some problems had arisen in the church. And one of the biggest problems is that after Paul left, other preachers came, and they were all preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But some began to ally themselves, not with Jesus, but following different preachers. And so Paul writes 2 Corinthians to reconcile his relationship with the Corinthians before he goes to visit them again. And more importantly, he does this by calling them to be reconciled to God and remember who they are in Jesus Christ. So just as Paul reminds the Corinthians in this letter that they need to see the face of Jesus and be restored in their relationship with him in order to be restored to Paul and one another, so too Paul calls us to be restored and remember who we are in Jesus Christ. In this Christmas season, Paul wants us to see the face of Jesus Christ in him alone. So let's remove the veil and dive in and gaze at Jesus' face. Before we do that, let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have come to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you come to us through your Word and that you give us your Holy Spirit to hear your Word and to live for you. Help us do that today, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This summer, my wife and I had the privilege of going to a wedding. And we were good friends and are good friends with the groom. And as we sat and watched the groom and his party await the coming of the bride down the aisle, 
I was reminded of my own wedding. The face of the groom was unbelievable, a smile from ear to ear, but at the same time, tears streaming down his face as he eagerly awaited seeing the face of his new bride. And as she came down the aisle and the veil was lifted and he looked in her eyes the whole service, I'm convinced of one thing, that my friend never heard a word that the preacher said in the service. All he did was delight in the face of his beautiful bride. This is what Paul calls us to do today. As we celebrate Christmas, to delight in the face of Jesus Christ and to see his face alone. During the season of Christmas, I just want to ask you one question. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? You see, even for us Christians during this time of Christmas, our eyes are taken away from Jesus and focused on so many other things. Do we know it's Christmas time at all? We are the world. I'm dating myself, a child of the 80s, right? Instead of looking at Jesus, we're so tempted to look at the lesser gifts and miss the greatest gift at Christmas. This is the argument that Paul makes if you followed the reading just a moment ago. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 more closely, the argument that Paul is making is from the lesser to the greater. We just finished a series in Exodus, so you're familiar with the story of Moses, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him today too. But the problem of the Corinthians was this, is they were focused on the gifts of God, but they were focused on the lesser gifts, the old covenant, Moses, the law, things that are glorious in and of themselves, nothing wrong with those things. But what Paul says is, no, focus on the greater gift, the gift of Jesus Christ himself, God come in the flesh. That is what we do this Christmas. That is the heart of Christmas. Listen to what the, the recently departed Saint Eugene Peterson says in John chapter 1, verse 14 of the message. This is what he says. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw his glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory. Generous from start to finish. True, like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True, from start to finish. You see, this is what Paul is reminding the Corinthians and us of, is that we see the glory of God with our own eyes. So let's look at Jesus today. Many of us are tempted not only to miss Christmas, but we're tempted to look at other things. Some of us are tempted to look at the world and to judge our lives and others by the world's standard. Some of us are narcissistic. We want to look at ourselves. We want others to look at me, look at me. Look at how beautiful my family is in my Christmas pictures. Look at the gifts that I receive. Some of us struggle with worldliness and narcissism. Others of us are on the other side. We struggle with looking back to Moses in the Old Covenant. We're far too religious. Who is it that goes out on a Sunday morning that's rainy and cold during a holiday? It's us religious folks, right? We want to look back at the traditions and say, we want it to be the way it's always been. We don't want things to change. We're far too religious. 
But whether we're narcissistic and worldly or religious, or if you're like me, some of both at different times, the good news today that Paul has for us is that we have a third way in Jesus Christ, that we must look to him and see his face. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 today, we'll see that because we have turned to the Lord, we must glory in the face of Jesus Christ alone. Because we have said, yes, we believe in Jesus and have turned to the Lord, we must gaze at his face and glory in him alone. One of the commentators that I read, of, he wrote a commentary on First and Second Corinthians, Ben Witherington says this, and I think it sums up the message of Paul in this chapter. He says, you become what you admire. You become what you admire admire. So let's admire Jesus Christ today. How can we glory in the face of Jesus Christ alone? I just want us to look at two things that Paul mentions here. First, we need to remember who we are. Remember who you are. That you are made holy and justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, remember who you are. And second, we need to remember who we are becoming. Remember who you are becoming in Christ. Being transformed into his image. Becoming like him through the process of sanctification. First, we must glory in Christ by remembering who we are. We are justified in him. Listen to what Paul says in verse 16. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. Remember the veil of Moses. Whenever Moses would meet with God on the mountain or go into the tent of meeting, after he came out, he would have to put a veil over his face. Why? Because when Moses spoke to the Lord face to face as a man speaks to a man, the glory of God will be, would be reflected in the face of Moses. But as Paul tells us here in verse 9 and verse 13, the reason that Moses would put on a veil is because that glory was fading. It wasn't a permanent glory. Certainly there was glory, but the glory was fading. The opposite is true when we turn to the Lord. As Paul says here, when we turn to the Lord, we have permanent glory. Because we're united to Christ through faith. And his Holy Spirit dwells within us. And nothing can take that glory away. Once you have turned to the Lord, you are secure in him. Righteous in him. With a permanent glory that will never fade. So we can be encouraged to look at Jesus. I think the passage that most sums up the argument that Paul is making here from the lesser old covenant glory to the greater new covenant glory is Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. When the prophet Jeremiah says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like that covenant that I made with their forefathers, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. After that time, 
this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor nor a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them, little children, to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. You see, this is the glory. When we turn to the Lord, the new covenant has come. The law is written on our minds and on our hearts, and we know that we are the Lord's children through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can glory in the face of the Lord because we know that we have permanent glory. We are justified in Him. But Paul tells us also that the Holy Spirit not only gives us this glory, He gives us freedom. Freedom in Christ. Listen to what he says in verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are no longer slaves to sin. The law just pointed out our sin and our weakness. That's why the glory was fading. But when we turn to the Lord and have His Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is at work in us. Now we have the desire, the ability, and the freedom to live for God. He gives us the desire and the ability through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have passed over from death to life, freedom to live for Him. When we turn to the Lord, it's like a declaration of independence. I know this is a Christmas service, but we have the American flag, so here's our 4th of July lesson this morning. The declaration of independence, for we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we have the right to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How much more when we turn to the Lord are these things true of us? Brothers and sisters, you are free to live. In Christ, you have passed from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life. You have liberty. You have freedom to live for Christ. You are no longer bound by slavery. And you have freedom to pursue happiness. And we know where our happiness lies. True joy in glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. Friends, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, we are adopted children of God, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit comes to us, and now we have the freedom to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. We gaze at the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are free in Him. Know that you are righteous and free. You have permanence and freedom in Christ, and we can glory in the face of Jesus in remembering who we are. But we also, Paul tells us, can glory in the face of Jesus by remembering who we are becoming. Remember who you are becoming, even today, in Christ. Listen to what Paul tells us in verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image 
from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Do you hear what Paul says is happening to each of us when we turn to the Lord? We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. And who is Jesus? Paul tells us in another place in Colossians 1 that he is the image of the invisible God. And all the fullness of the Godhead dwells within him bodily. And when we turn to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ by the power of his Spirit. When you gaze at Jesus, you become like him. When you read his word, you become like him. When you turn to him in prayer, you become like him. This is the promise. God is committed to conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ through the power of his spirit. And how does he do this? Paul tells us here in verse 18. By transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Certainly all of us, all people are created in the image of God and have that spark of divine glory in us. We know that that was marred by the fall, but I think what Paul is saying is here that we are going from one degree of glory in Christ to the next degree of glory in Christ, that he's making us day by day more like Christ until one day we will see him face to face, we'll be transformed and we'll be like him and we'll gaze at him forever in glory. But how does God do this? How does God take us from one degree to the next? He does it by turning up the heat, doesn't he? He does it by allowing us to suffer trials and challenges and suffering in this life. It's like smoking a brisket. Any smokers in, in the crowd? I'm not a smoker, but I, I hope that someday when I have more time on my hands to take up this hobby. But I know enough to know that each degree is critical, right? You stay up all night monitoring the temperature of the smoker, adding a little wood so the fire doesn't go out, but not putting in too much because if the temperature gets too high, the brisket will dry out, right? What we want is that beautiful smoke ring. What we want is that, that bark of the rub to turn into a nice crust on the outside but remaining moist and delicious in the middle. Is it time for lunch yet? I promise, I promise to get us out of here on time. We're almost done. But this is what God does. He puts enough wood in the smoker so the fire doesn't go out, right? There's always smoke inside the smoker, so we don't see clearly the face of Jesus Christ in this life. But what does that do? Hopefully, it, it drives us to our knees to cry out to God for help. He gives us a little fire, a little suffering, so that we are reminded that we're dependent on Christ and that we are becoming like Him. We must look to Jesus in our suffering. One of my favorite movies that came out a long time ago was the movie Shadowlands about C.S. Lewis. And the one refrain of the movie as C.S. Lewis is struggling through the Christian life, the sickness and death of his spouse is this. 
This is the process of sanctification that God has committed to for you. That the blows of his chisel cut us so deeply. But they are the very blows that he uses to conform us into the image of his son. What are the blows that God is putting on you today? Know that he's using them to turn your heart and your gaze again to Jesus Christ. Because as we look at the face of Jesus, what do we see? We see the suffering servant, right? When Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow him, he knows what he is talking about. You remember the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 52 and 53 as he described the face of Jesus Christ in his suffering on the cross for you. That his face was of such marred appearance that men would not even look at him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows familiar with suffering. And that is good news to us. Listen to that. Who is Jesus? Who is this face we are looking to? He is a man of sorrows, familiar with our suffering. And he took that suffering on the cross, didn't he? God understands the language of your tears. So you must turn to him whatever your sorrows, whatever your trials, whatever your suffering, and know that he understands that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and he has given us freedom through faith in Jesus. God is committed to transferring us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and conforming us to the image of his Son from one degree of glory to another. So what? What are you looking at this Christmas? What are you looking at? Just a few things for us to take away this morning. Remember the image of the groom waiting for his bride and for the veil to be taken back so he could gaze into her face. For those of us who are married know, after the ceremony of the wedding comes marriage, right? Difficulty, conflict, struggles, growing together. We know from the Declaration of Independence, the high watermark, these great ideals of liberty and freedom, comes a long and bitter war. We know that once we turn to the Lord, what a great moment when someone moves from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, there's rejoicing in heaven. And then the Christian life, the day by day putting to death of sin. What do we do? How do we see the face of Jesus Christ? The first thing I want you to do is if you have a mirror with you, take it out and look in the mirror. Or today after lunch, the next time you look in a mirror, I want you to do this. See the face of Jesus Christ. Don't see your own flaws. Don't get caught up in your own beauty. But look at yourself the way the Father looks at you. Because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. When you look in the mirror, see Jesus. Second, I want you to look around at each other. Look at each other and see Jesus. God has put you in a body 
of believers so that you are the light of the world to one another, that you are reminding one another of the face of Jesus Christ in your presence, in your kind words to one another, in your small acts of service. See Jesus in one another. I want you to look out the window and I want you as you go through your week this week and you go into the world to recognize that as you look at the world to see Jesus. For Paul goes on in chapter 4 to say that the veil remains over the hearts and minds of those who haven't turned to the Lord. And the important thing for us to remember as believers is this, is the world is not our enemy. What Paul tells us is that we have a common enemy with our neighbors in the world. And that's the prince of this world who has put a veil over the minds of our neighbors so they don't hear about Jesus. They can't see his face. So know that the world is not your enemy. That the world needs to see Jesus. Go into the world and see Jesus. And the last thing is, as you look at the face of Jesus, to proclaim his gospel clearly. To proclaim his gospel boldly in the world. Because you have seen Jesus, you have freedom. Hey, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. So don't be afraid to go and proclaim Jesus to the world. I debated whether to tell the story, but my job is to go preach Jesus in the public schools. And when I was at LBJ High School before the Christmas break, I saw a vice principal who had come to the Crufts house for our Christmas party. And she walked up to me and gave me a big hug right in the middle of the hall. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Let me introduce you to our principal, and then she'll introduce you to the principal of Eastside High so you can go to Eastside and preach Jesus too. I'm like, what is going on? Guess what? That can happen to all of us. Don't be afraid. Go and look at Jesus' face and preach him to the world. Because you have turned to the Lord, glory in him. This Christmas, this new year, gaze at the face of Jesus and glorify him. Speak him to the world and live in him for his glory alone. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you have come to us. Not only in your son who was born in a manger, who lived and died and rose again for us, but you have come into each of us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you have taken us from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life. God, I pray for everyone here this morning that you would remind us by your Holy Spirit who we are, that we are your children, that you would give us boldness to see your face, that you would give us boldness to go and show your face and to share your word with those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.